from sheisconference.org and Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. You're listening to the She Is Community Podcast. Hello, ladies, and welcome to another episode of the She Is Community Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Katie Stevens, and I am joined with Kim Massingale. Hello, ladies. And today we are excited because we are going to have a conversation with the lovely Jan Greenwood. So I'm really excited for this. I'm excited to sit back and just listen. So um, Jan, why don't you introduce yourself to the She Is community? Oh, thank you so much. Thanks, Katie and Kim. Love you both so much. And such an such a great opportunity to be here with you today. I love this form of communication, don't you? Mm-hmm, Just a absolutely. wonderful, wonderful way for us to connect. So my name is Jan Greenwood. I live in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I've been married 37 years to my high school sweetheart, Mark. We have four adult children, two in-laws so far, no grandbabies yet. As you can tell, I'm anxious, but I'm waiting <laughs> patiently. Um, Mark and I um, have been together for a really long time. He's in the uh, general contracting business for commercial roofing. And I serve as a pastor at Gateway Church uh, in the South Lake area. Uh, for years and years, I was a women's pastor at South Lake. And now in this season, I am what's called an equipped pastor, which is basically a discipleship pastor. And my job is to identify and raise up new leaders and to, in general, help the body of Christ have a more intimate relationship with Jesus. So I can't believe that's even my job. What a blessing that is. And I enjoy that work a lot. I've been there uh, about maybe I'm coming up on my 14th year, I think, a long time. In addition uh, to that, I have a personal ministry called Brave Strong Girl, which was really birthed out of a conversation my husband and I had. I am a um, 11 and a half year breast cancer survivor. And in 2016, I was having a recurrence of the disease. And one day my husband said to me, uh, Jan, I'm just so proud of you. You're so brave and strong. And I said, that's so interesting because I just feel weak and afraid. Mm-hmm. And so um, I've always been a blogger periodically, you know, hot and cold, but I began to blog under the title Brave Strong Girl. And uh, today it's uh, launching, it's in the middle of growing as an online mentoring community for Christian women. And um I'm just super passionate about investing in leaders and mentors and just calling out the gifts in women and encouraging them to walk boldly. I just, I believe that God puts a call on your life. And uh, if you need someone to say, I see it, or, you know, yes, that's God, then I'm the person to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've written a book called Women at War, which is about healthy female relationships. And I'm pretty passionate about that. Uh, that births out of just uh, some own dysfunction of my own and my relationship specifically with my mom and some difficulties I had and being an only child, like I just, I didn't think girls were all that great. <laughs> Men were so much easier to work with. And uh, God just had to rebirth my identity as a woman, which of course has shaped my whole life. I love healthy female relationships so much. So I'm super excited to be here today. And um yeah, I could talk your ear off, so I'll stop. No, I, you're one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. And um, yeah, I could get really emotional talking about the gift you have been to me. So you've been in my life, um, gosh, almost 10 years. Really? Which is crazy. 
Um, and just kind of funny story uh, that Jan knows, but not the whole world knows. Uh, I was had really shifted into leading women's ministry, not something I ever wanted to do, not something I ever felt called to do, but we were at a church in rural Oklahoma and really felt the Lord calling me to that. And um, of course, I looked to Becky Hennessy for many, um, for many things and just gleaned from her. Um, and I also loved watching a gateway and, and just their women's ministry and would attend pink impact every year. It was my safe haven to go where no one knew who I was. Um, I could just go and be and heal and receive. And it was such a beautiful thing. And I just connected so much with the vision of the women's ministry, which was called pink, that I decided to name our women's ministry pink, um, thinking we are this small, smaller scale, the church, much smaller scale church than gateway. No one's ever going to find us. <laughs> Didn't use the logo, but one day we were having Lisa Bevere come speak at our women's conference. And I believe you had seen her post about it on Twitter. And so you've reached out to me on Twitter and, um, and what didn't reprimand me by any means, but, um, just no, you know, kindly noticing that I had used the name pink and how much you loved that. And then I brought you up pretty quick after that to, to speak into our women and our leaders. And then I brought you to victory, our next church after that. And you've been up here. It's been too long since you've been here. You need to come back. But Jan has walked me through um, many difficult leadership seasons in my life. <laughs> and if I ever need a, a, a really significant leadership um, decision, if I'm making it like a crucial one, um, the wisdom that I gleaned from Jan has from you has just been so significant in my life. And you, um, you live what you teach and, um, I'm just so grateful for you. And, and I was sad when they moved you out of the women's, but I can't think of a better position for you than to be raising up leaders and discipling people because, when you said that you call out um, the gifts in people, that's, I mean, you really do. You're very gifted in that area. And I've learned so much from you in that area. And so we're excited to hear from you today. And you make me cry. <laughs> I, I, I just have, uh, always loved you because you are a courageous leader. And she always knows how to take what's in her hand and turn it into something wonderful. And um, also the gift of generosity on your life. You've, you've given me so many opportunities to share my heart with your women over and over, uh, really uniquely in a way. And so it is just my great honor to be your friend. And you give me way too much credit. It's a two-way street in this relationship. <laughs> she pours into me too. I was thinking about you the other day, Kim, and about that meeting that we had where I prophesied to all your leaders. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. I don't think I would do that today. I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and at Victory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. God, God, we just sat and God gave me words for every single woman. It was crazy. I've not really had that experience very many times, but it was mm -hmm. a precious moment for me too. And I hope it was a blessing to them. So 
Oh, it was. I mean, well, Tiffany Thurston, who is a huge part of our community, wow. which she is, she comes and leads worship for us so often and is teaching for our conference this year. Yeah. She was there because Dare to Be had come to our church and she was touring with Natalie Grant at the time. So she just happened to stay over. I literally had known her for a day. <laughs> and was like hey you want to stay and hear from my friend Jan and you prophesied over her and that prophecy has come to fruition mm -hmm. and she talks about it so often so sweet? and I That's still so have yeah I still have the words that you have you do have given me yeah yeah I do so I'm honored I, I just found it the other day but no I um yeah I love that gift and um I'm just so grateful for you. you. So your new book that's coming out soon. I'm so excited about it. I got Thank to you. read a little bit of it and I can't wait for the whole thing and to share it with our women's team and just really all of our, our female leaders in our church and my friends. And um, it's called the grace giving leader. So I would love for you to just share um, with our community a little bit about your heart behind it and whatever you want. The floor is well, yours. I am, I am so excited about this book. It has been five years in the making. It didn't happen quickly. Um, I had a little situation where I drafted an initial copy and I was like, and that's all I have to say about that. And I called it a booklet and I just set it aside. And it's just been funny. God just wouldn't leave it alone. And it's grown over the years and uh, from a booklet to a book, but I hope it's not just a book. I really pray that it is a leader guide. Uh, my subtitle is how to develop people, lead teams, and mentor well. Mm -hmm. And that is so, so important to me, especially in this season in my life. Like I'm done with the season where I do everything. I want to help other people uh, hear God for themselves, make their own decisions, practice their own skills. And so, you know, kind of in a John Maxwell way, I want to be a leader of leaders. Mm -hmm. And probably the greatest uh, obstacle to my own life was trying to bring my leadership gifts to pass on my own strength and having to learn that out of my uh, weak side of my strengths or out of my waiting seasons that God was developing in me a character that could be sustained with more responsibility and that how he does that is through grace and so this book is about how grace is the key to power it's actually the thing that manifests in your life that brings about the changes of God and it's like a it's a divine enablement I share an illustration about like uh, it's the engine in the car, right? Like when you push the key, the thing that creates the combustion, that's grace. It's the power under the hood. It's the thing that people don't see. And uh, God has an infinite amount of grace for us. I'm so enamored of his grace and how often I need it and learning to pray for it and receive it. And then not only just receive his grace, once, you, once you're aware of grace, you'll be like, oh my goodness, there's, he's given me so much grace. But the power for me is learning to give grace away, learning how to be a grace giving leader. Now, some people uh, see that title and they might think I'm talking about like forgiving bad behavior, going easy on people or, you know, it's not about how you do or whatever. And it's like, um, no, no, <laughs> I find that people respond so well to grace that they actually give you their best. And I don't excuse um 
behavior that's inappropriate, that would not be good leadership, right? We all need coaching and God's correction in time. And so uh, for me, I have always done better when I led with grace than when I led with my position or my title or my authority or even my right, you know, like on the chart, I might have a right, but that always bit me. I never did well leading by my strength. I always did so much better if I led from grace. Mm. So I just don't find very many leadership books for women that mm. specifically address these kinds of issues. And um, sometimes I think that people think leadership, the kind of leadership I'm talking about, they also might think I'm talking about a soft kind of leadership, like girls should lead kindly. Cause you know, I am from the Bible belt and I, I do believe in kindness and manners and, you know, being genteel. I, I think yeah. that's appropriate. But I'm not talking about a soft kind of leadership. I'm talking about something powerful, something impactful, something that produces and seeds and builds up. And uh, I believe that the principles that I'm sharing in this book are not just for women. They are biblical principles. They are not just gender specific. I do share them toward women. And, you know, my examples are women. But I've had several men working with me on my finished product who are just saying like, these principles are not for just girls, right? So all of us want to be the best leader we can be in God's kingdom. And actually, I believe every believer has an assignment to lead. Mm -hmm. If you read Matthew 28, read the Great Commission, it says we're supposed to go teach, baptize, like we are supposed to be making disciples. And so you might be more comfortable to say you're called to serve, which would be accurate. Mm -hmm. Servant leadership is the leadership that Jesus demonstrated, a grace-filled, humble form of service. So, you know, whether you're an eager beaver like you and me, Kim, and Katie, I don't know you well enough, you might be an eager beaver beaver too, Uh, but many of us are reluctant leaders. You know, we don't really want to step into those reins, but God still has a divine power on your life that you are called to lead others to Christ. Remember? So remember when Paul would say, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm-hmm. And grace will make you powerful to accomplish the purpose of God in your life. I love that. I, and I totally agree that, um, well, we, we've been doing um, Propel Women's Influence Series. We just started that and just talked so much about how no matter where you're, no matter where you're leading or who you're leading, you're leading, you know, you're influencing. And, um, and our team even has been reading, uh, we just finished, um, during COVID the book, uh, hero maker by Warren bird. I can't remember who the author, other author is ever, but, um, but it is so good. And it's just about that our job as leaders is not to be the hero of the story, but to develop other leaders and multiply and be a hero maker. So when I read your book, it was like, it goes so perfectly, but you're right that there's not, there's very few books for women Mm -hmm. um, specific to leadership that aren't super feminist Mm -hmm. um, and that aren't, you know, like you said, you're Southern, like, Mm -hmm. You know, um, and it's just the perfect, the perfect mix. And I'm so, that's why I'm so eager to get my hands on it. Because when I do, um, I certainly use leadership books with our team. Um, 
but I, but when I want to come across a book that's specific to women, even though men can totally get stuff out of this as well, I, I, it, they're hard to find. So thank you for taking up the challenge and I have seen you lead. I'm excited to hear what you think when you get to people. Yeah. So tell us really what, um, I know there's a story that you kind of share in the, in the beginning of the book, just about, um, kind of that knocked, knocked you down a bit (laughs) and, and, you know, we so often learn from situations that we can identify of, okay, I don't, I don't want to lead that way. And so would you mind sharing just, I'd love to share that story. It, It really shaped me a lot negatively for a while and positively now. So Uh, When I was a much younger woman, I had been married a few years and my husband had a job with a Fortune 500 retailer and we were moving around the state of Texas like every year. And so, you know, I was having really cruddy jobs in little towns and I had all this ambition in my heart. And when we landed in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I landed a dream job. I was hired as an administrative assistant to a uh, for-profit consulting firm that worked with Christian, primarily Christian education organizations. And they assisted them in fundraising, capital campaigns, planned giving, direct mail, you know, the whole works that were happening in the uh, late eighties and early nineties. And uh, I was hired by an up and rising, up and coming woman. She had been in the advertising field forever, had been with the firm only a couple of years. And the firm was actually in Missouri and they were establishing her office in Dallas. And So she hired me to assist her and I got to do fun things like go into a high rise and help select a beautiful office and, you know, pick out the perfect furniture and uh, it was small office, but it was so elegant y'all just can't imagine you have to understand you know I'd been working at a dentist office in the back corner in a little, you know, cubicle (laughs) with a light bulb and here I was in this Dallas office and I was wearing my suit carrying my briefcase and uh, basically just making her world possible she traveled a lot. And so I was by myself a lot of days, but I just felt so powerful and loved it. And she started investing in me and I started doing well. And in that business, pretty soon, if you're going to advance, you learn to develop billable hours. And I began to understand how to work and charge for my time. And pretty soon I was promoted and I became a junior consultant. And when I did, that meant that I got to travel sometimes with other uh, executives and and or support them and bill for hours help them with their work and as soon as I started as soon as I got that promotion things got a little bit weird between us just a little strange they weren't quite as easy but you know I just was barreling on because I was I was you know filling time I was so powerful (laughs) and I just thought work harder work faster you know do more and so I just kept developing my relationships and I did not uh, really understand what was happening, nor did I try to address it. I just tried to work harder and do better. Well, one day I made a very bad mistake. I actually faxed, which I say in the book, don't laugh at me, it was modern technology. I faxed a client uh, in Chicago, a very private document. And actually what I found out is that the document I faxed, I faxed to the wrong Chicago client. And I actually faxed it to their competitor. And our firm served both these 
organizations, and but they were definitely uh, more in competition with one another. So I revealed the inner secrets, pricing. I mean, it was a big, big mistake. Well, I knew it was a mistake, but I didn't really understand. I got a call from the president pretty quickly, which was not fun. And of course, I apologized. I felt horrible. Uh, and they went into damage control. And uh, she was really upset with me. And the reason she was upset with me, obviously, other than that it was a huge mistake, was the fact that she dealt with all the consequences. They were her clients and I was her assistant. And I damaged their reputation, their finances. I mean, she had reason to be upset with me. But how she responded in that moment was she completely cut me off. She took all the blame and fixed everything and just basically, you know, became totally suspicious of me. And in a relationship that I had had a lot of connection and uh, growth and mentoring, it became cold in a day. Mm -hmm. And at about six weeks, I just couldn't take it anymore. And I quit the dream job. Mm -hmm. And the thing about that lesson for me was, uh, first of all, I, I certainly did deserve correction and consequences. But what I did, I did not do on purpose. It was an accident. Mm -hmm. And I've always wondered, like, what would my life have been like if she had been able to give me some grace? What if she had been able to forgive me or make me do the apology? You know, what if I'd had a chance to apologize to those clients? What if I had survived it? What might that have meant for me? But instead, I didn't. And I'm sure she was relieved when I left. And out of that, I made some inner vows that really shaped my leadership for a long time. I said, oh, we well, can't trust leaders. You can't trust women. And um, you better not ever make a mistake again because they will cut your throat. Well, you know, when you make an inner vow not to make a mistake again, trust me, <laughs> you are on a path <laughs> for error. So it took me a lot of years to kind of recover from that really mistake. But I will say, looking back now, I, of course, now I have empathy for where she was and what she was dealing with. But I will say to you, she did not give me any grace. My mistake mm -hmm. was not met with any grace. It was met with consequences and cold shoulder. Mm -hmm. And I think that shaped me as a leader. Like, first of all, people do make mistakes. So I think I have some compassion because of that experience. And secondly, even if the consequences are dire, the person is more important to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, if That's I can help you recover, if I can help you maybe make some different choices, how could mm -hmm. I have been protected from making that mistake again? You know, I was going fast and hurrying. And mm -hmm. so I start out this, the book with a really heartbreaking story that it really happened to me when I was about 25, 26. Mm -hmm. And we won't say how old I am now, but more than that. <laughs> When I was working on the final content, my publisher kept saying to me, Jane, you have to tell stories. And yeah. I'm like, ooh, I don't, I don't really like to tell stories. And she was like, you need to tell some failure stories and you need to tell some success stories. And I said, I, I'm happy to tell failure stories. I have so many of them. And I do in the book share a lot about my personal character weaknesses and my inner thoughts. I tend to be pretty vulnerable about that. Mm -hmm. uh, but I find telling success stories is a lot harder. And I think I've had some success, but when I really went to tell a success story, I honestly just came to the realization that no success story is about one person. Like any mm -hmm. success I had was always the success that came from teamwork, 
yeah. from a good, strong leader, proper order, you know, understanding my boundaries, being trusted with things I'd never done before and being resourced and equipped. And so mm-hmm. I share less success stories, not, not because I don't think I've had some or experienced them, but I've never really felt that success was easy to define and it's a little dangerous to own, you know? Yeah. So but yeah. God will take your mistakes. He will take even a difficult leader, like the mistake was mine, but she was difficult. Mm-hmm. And so God will just use those things. Ultimately, all of that became preparation for my own leadership. Yeah. And I'm grateful now. I still wish it happened some other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I love that you brought up inner vows. Uh, so just because um, some of our audience may not like know really what an inner vow is at summit we do freedom and so we use that language a lot but will you explain a little bit when you said inner vows what that means so when you make an inner vow generally what happens is in a moment of emotional intensity is generally when this will happen mm-hmm. so something happens to you or you're, you're observing something and you're emotionally intensely vulnerable and you will think something to the effect of that will never happen to me again. Like I'm going to self-protect. I'm going to come away with some wisdom. It will sound right. It might even be wise in the short term. And you will make a statement like that, which sets your will. Mm. So I set my will in that moment. And first of all, I set my will in an impossible way. Secondly, it was a lie. I set Mm -hmm. my will in agreement with a lie. Mm -hmm. And when I, when you do that, you you really say to God, you're not allowed to be in charge of my leadership life anymore. (laughs) I'm going to protect myself so that I don't experience this shame and embarrassment. And uh, I'm going to be guarded about people. I might smile to your face, but I don't really trust you. And you begin to carry that moment of vulnerability with you into every situation and relationship. And it colors your world. And when you've walked with that kind of inner vow for a long time, you will think that is who you are. Like it gets sown mm-hmm. into your character. But the truth is that most inner vows, we've made a lie and an agreement with Satan about how we are going to be in charge. Just think about the garden, right? Like yeah. he looked at it and thought, that's wise. I'm going to, I'm going to bite that apple. And that's what we do. Mm-hmm. And it brings, it sows a death in our spirit that is like a root. It t- it'll just take on its own life. And generally, when you form an inner vow, everything you swear you'll never do or will never happen happens to you. Like it brings those things on you. Yeah. So when you identify an inner vow, when you realize you've made that kind of choice, I want to encourage you, they're easy to break if you can spot them. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I just had to go before the Lord and say, wow, I I made some choices about my gender, about women, about the way I'm going to work, how I'm going to try to protect myself, what I think leadership ought to be, how I can be better mm-hmm. than her. And Lord, I just repent. I, all of that was me taking care of me. And God, mm-hmm. I want you to take care of me. So I will break a vow. I will uh, repent of a vow. And I will ask God to come into the place where I took charge of my own life and surrender that ground to him again. Yeah. When that happens, you begin to align your life with the will of God again. And you will feel that, that, that um, sort of the whisk of that, the momentum that comes when you align with the Holy Spirit. And he will begin to teach you then rightly 
and start mm-hmm. plucking out that fruit. You know, you'll be like, oh, there it is again. There it is mm-hmm. again. But you have to break the root to kill the fruit. Yeah. So ask God. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that because I, I do, but I mean, it affects every area of our life. And when I, and when I went through freedom the first time and just the Lord brought to light the, the inner vows that I had made, it was like, like these uh, huge aha moments, you know, that it just affected the way that I've, that I was doing life, that I was uh, acting in my marriage, all of those things. And so it's so healing to come come for those things to come to light. And I'm just wondering at what point, um, did you realize that you had like really made an inner vow and had it affected the way that you led people from, from well, then on it? It did affect the way I led myself mostly. Yeah. Cause I did want, I also, you know, chose that I would treat people better, which is a good part, I guess. Right. Yeah. Like I wanted to be kind to people, but I was harsh on myself, like mean to me, and then exteriorly kind to others, right? Mm-hmm. And um, it took me a long time. Uh, I was probably a good 10 years later, uh, Mark and I were living in West Texas and I was uh, overseeing, actually it's kind of funny, a nonprofit Christian education organization. <laughs> kind of what they did, but I was overseeing a branch in our community. And Mark and I, it was a season of our life that was really, really difficult, but Mark and I began to be introduced to the Holy Spirit. And what happened to us in that season rocked my world. And when I really began to understand that I did not know the Holy Spirit, I knew a lot about Jesus. I had been grown up in the church. Uh, Mark and I even had gone for a long season, not even attending church. We couldn't agree on where to go to church, much less about church. But anyway, it was a divine thing that happened to us. And when I met the Holy Spirit... It was as if a deep veil was lifted from my eyes. Mm -hmm. And for the first time in my life, I really said, I cannot do it anymore. You're going to have to lead my life. Mm -hmm. And when he did, I just cannot explain that. It's like a cataract came off my eyes. And I could see my behavior differently. I could see my my experiences through a different light. Mm -hmm. And he began to just come to me in all those painful places and comfort me. Just, you know, I would look back and I I would mourn instead of being angry and cold and, you know, marching on in my gifts, I began to mourn Mm -hmm. and be sad and uh, have him speak to me about, and he would soften and heal those places. And then once I could see, and I began to understand how I had tried to protect myself, how I had tried to make myself a great leader, yeah. Even I thought it was God because I do have a leadership gift that mm-hmm. operates, whether I'm godly or ungodly, it will tend mm-hmm. to show up. So I'd had some success. And I think that really confused me, you know, because I wanted to please God. But man, the presence of the Holy Spirit just revealing so many things in my life. So it was a good 10 or maybe even 12 years later before I had any inkling that I had set myself in that way. And I was serving in a leadership role. I was experiencing uh, my gifts, but I was working so hard. I was working so hard. Mm -hmm. I was working so hard. I did not have grace 
I did not know about an anointing or a flow or the presence of God or like how he moves through you when you're weak, when you're surrendered, when you, when you take a vulnerable position before and he makes you strong and courageous. I, that, mm, that was not language I understood at all. Yeah. So I would have to say it's, it's personally encountering the presence of the Holy Spirit that rocked yeah. my world. That's so good. I love that. Katie, please feel free to hop in and ask any questions that you have to. I, I uh, don't want to dominate my time with Jan. So if you have anything that comes up for you, just pop in. Okay. Go for it, Katie. I will raise my hand. No. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously I know that, um, that ever since you've had this moment and you've been leading and leading teams and you haven't, you know, obviously always had been had perfect leadership, you know, and it's, <laughs> I love that you said it's, uh, it's easier to share your weaknesses. That's what I identify with as well. Like, um, so you're a three on the Enneagram, right? That's right. And I'm, yes. I'm a one. So my inner critic is extremely loud. loud. Yeah. <laughs> Katie, my insecurity. Do yes. you like me? Will you take me? Yes. <laughs> Katie's yeah. is a, she's a nine. I thought I was a nine ah. for a long time, but I, I realized I'm a one. Um, but no, I just, I can identify with sharing weaknesses more than, um, than those successes. But um, I just wonder if you, if you have a leadership story of you in leadership of how you've handled a difficult situation or had to go back and apologize to someone or any, I don't know if there's anything like that, that you would be willing to share. (laughs) Oh gosh. I've made so many mistakes so many times. And especially in relationships, you know, that's where we're all prone to really make the mistakes that hurt. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, for example, I made the mistake of faxing, but the mistake that hurt was the unforgiveness, right? Mm, Wow. So you can make a mistake. People make mistakes all the time. If we, if we could understand that failure is learning and not failure, you know, it would change our world. But, um, I've had several challenging days in ministry. Uh, when I was writing women at war, which is subtitled declaring a ceasefire on toxic female relationships. (laughs) I definitely went through a season of very difficult testing again and purifying really and learning that a lot of things that I thought were the other person's fault were really being um, produced or triggered out of my own insecurities. It took me a really long time to stop it, to just stop it and to actually be secure in God. And Uh, often we will have a relationship, especially in our homes with our parents or our siblings that will set us on a certain path. And even though I was called to women, God had given me a word about who I was in the spirit. uh, And I was trying again to walk that out and do my very best because I had this root of insecurity, this place in me that just could not really believe that God would love me And as a result, I was so judgmental, not only of me, but of others. Mm -hmm. And uh, when my team came to me to say, man, it feels like it's not about us. It's all about you. That was a heartbreaking day. Mm -hmm. And uh, having to hear that and feel so misunderstood because I really did believe that it was all about them. I was trying to make them better or get them to do something, you know, something I thought was right. 
And it's like right motives, wrong actions. That's what I had, right mm -hmm. motives and wrong actions. And so that process really caused me to have to evaluate my own heart and go deeper with the Lord. And just learning, like letting go of my judgment, letting go of that inner critic, Kim, let it go. It's bad, it's bad company. Yes. Uh, yeah, and learning to go to God for, am I uh, causing a pain here? Is there something in me you want to address instead of always looking at the other person? Mm -hmm. uh, I was always modifying myself to be accepted as well. I was looking ahead and thinking about what do they want? What are they expecting? And I didn't even realize it like a chameleon. You know, I could just change and be whatever they needed to, me to be. So if I needed to do all the work, I would do all the work. Mm -hmm. If I needed to develop a team, I would develop a team. Like I was constantly working with the underlying issue of, will are you going to reject me? Mm. Some of that comes out of my early home life, but some of it came out of that very first encounter that I shared. You know, if I make a mistake, if I'm not enough for you, and I set myself up to be in really uh, working with very, uh, I tend to draw real intense demanding people, not in a bad way, but like <laughs> just people with high expectations and high vision. You know, I mm -hmm. love big vision. So I'm drawn to it. But then sometimes I set myself up for someone with really uh, expectations and I am just busting it, you know, to meet those expectations and mm -hmm. failing and just struggling in the, if I fail, will you reject me? And so I guess what I had to fail and not be rejected yeah. in order to really break through about grace. I had to, I had to be unable, God used my health to break my physical capacity and to cease my striving mm -hmm. and to have to lay before my team, my spouse, my family, and be unable to meet their expectations and there find out that they actually loved me for me and not for what I could do for them. That was my first like crack my heart and pouring grace. I'm okay with you when I'm not okay. You're okay if I don't perform. You're okay if I don't uh, do what you need. You're okay if I don't meet your need. You're okay if I like uh, lay down and rest. Mm -hmm. And you know what, when that happens to you, when your weakness becomes public, you will find out who loves you. Right. And I found out a lot of people loved me and wanted to give me grace. And mm -hmm. it just began to change my life. Mm -hmm. It just changed my life. Now I want so much for someone to be able to trust me in their weakness so that I could give them love and grace. You know, what happened in my heart did not have anything to do with about my leadership or my conference or my ministry, or it had nothing to do with that. It was being accepted as a person for who I was, mm -hmm. which is, by the way, how God accepts us. Yes. Right? Yeah. It's how he accepts us. But somehow his acceptance wasn't enough for me. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. People pleasing, number three. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, that's what I mean. I have so mm. many, I've that's made so, so many mistakes and wasted so much time and energy and worked so hard to do or accomplish something for God that was impactful. When my most impactful relationships and moments are when I reached out and made friends like I made with you, Kim. Mm. Wouldn't you agree? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Relationships is where power lies, is where influence mm -hmm. lies, is where grace is transferred. Mm -hmm. 
That's so good. That's so true. I um, you know how your team came to you and just said, I feel like it's all of, we feel like it's all about you and not about us. Um, for me, it's like those things are really hard to hear for anyone, right? But I, I've learned to welcome those things because the last thing I want is to be the leader in the room who everyone talks about behind their back that they don't have, like, she has no clue, like, you know, and so, because <laughs> then healing and grace and all of those things aren't able to happen because everyone's afraid to say, and so, and it makes them suspicious. They don't trust you. Yeah. And then you think you're in a trusting relationship, but you are not. Yeah. Very painful for them and for you. Yeah. So you have to be courageous, Kim. You have to be like, you are courageous mm-hmm. uh, because nobody wants to hear, you know, negative feedback. And I find that most women leaders in the church that I've, you know, my community, again, it's right heart, wrong, wrong action. You know, most of us are trying to do well. Let me just say this though, too. I, I want to be clear about this. I am in my job is ministry. Like I, yeah, I have a career in the ministry field, mm-hmm. but I have a lot of years of experience in the business field too, owning my own business, um, just working in the uh, for-profit sector. And I want to be sure that I communicate that everything I'm sharing in my own relation uh, story of church ministry is is not limited to someone who wants to minister as a profession or inside the church. Mm-hmm. Like these, again, God's grace is bigger. His, yeah. his, you know, he's equipping you for the work of the ministry and whatever you do, mm-hmm. that's your ministry, right? Whether you're mm-hmm. work at the bank or you own your own business or you're at home with your babies or you're single and you're, uh, you know, uh, enjoying your life and having friends and working and have ambition and dreams. It, it's not about... Um, this book is not for someone who just wants to be in ministry. It's mm-hmm. not the point. Mm-hmm. It's just an example. Mm-hmm. Well, and that, that's what I love about it. So I can gather like the women who are in leadership with me, but most of them, they do not work for the church. They have outside jobs or stay-at-home moms or you know whatever their role might be. And so this will apply to them regardless of how they're leading, where they're leading. And I love that about about this book, that it's not just specific for those who work for a church. So I'm thankful for that. Me too. Yeah. I don't want it to be small. I want it to be open, you know? I believe that it will be. Katie, you have any questions yet? (laughs) I love how you said yet. Calling you out. (laughs) Man, um, I've been taking notes. Sorry if it looks like I wasn't paying attention. I've been writing things down. Okay, so I am someone who is transitioning into ministry and is transitioning into more leadership roles, but I'm 27, you know, dealing with the insecurities of like, I can't be a leader, I'm too young, I'm not qualified. Um, So I'm not going to have you speak specifically to me, but what would you say to people who are stepping into leadership roles who are struggling with the insecurities? Now, I'm very thankful that you know, I've been able to have breakthrough in a lot of areas by God and a lot with relationships that I have with others. But, you know, what would you say to, to people who are, step, to, to women, to people who are stepping into leadership who not necessarily in ministry, but may feel like they don't have what it takes? Well, I would say to you personally, Katie, and to all those women, like you are not alone. 
and it doesn't just happen to you in your 20s. I mean, of all ages, there, that experience happens to us. But when I was writing this book, I really kind of had my daughter and her friends in mind. When I started it five years ago, she was 25. And part of the book I was writing when she was getting married at 27. And, you know, at 27, she was planning her own wedding, right? Like she's not a little girl. She's been in the marketplace for years. And so I was watching her and her friends. They're so powerful. They were just so powerful. And they had these huge dreams and ambitions. And some of them were struggling to overcome, you know, their upbringing issues, don't we all? Or, or maybe they were struggling with like feeling like they could do more than they were trusted with, like even what you just said, like I hear that so often, like, you know, I'm not old, am I not old enough? Do I not know enough? And we have two sides of that. Either you think you don't know enough or you think you know everything and let me lead, like both of those, right? And um, so uh, what I would say about that is that there is no way to overcome your insecurities, but to face them and to begin where you are. And I would encourage every young woman to just tell the Lord, I just want to do what you want to do in my life. And if you'll talk to me, I'll try to obey. And he'll lead you into that leadership journey. Like you're saying right now, like you're moving, you're transitioning. Well, probably what's happened to you is you've talked to God about the purpose of your life and he's begun to reveal some things to you. And you're saying, oh, really? Really? Is that what you might be saying? And then magically, you know, like someone shows up in your life and calls you out or coaches you a bit, or you find yourself serving in some capacity that you didn't have before. You know, the, the walk of leadership in your life is literally one day of preparation at a time. And the best advice I can give anyone as an emerging leader or even as a seasoned leader who feels like for me, I feel like I'm a seasoned leader, but I feel like I'm on the cusp of the next level of leadership for me. Mm -hmm. But I don't know what to do. I can feel insecure. So I have to say to the Lord, what do I need to do and obey? And he brings us along a moment at a time. And uh, he takes a lot longer than I would. I, I'm going to talk to him about it when we get there, like how long it took him to get my character in order. Like, does he need to do how long it took me? You know, just how long it took him. So, uh, but, oh, sorry. What I was saying was that my counsel is to do whatever God has put in your hand right now. So you need someone to lead who is, who is right around you. Do, you. do you need to practice a leadership skill? Well, how are you doing with your grocery shopping? You know, like use whatever is in your hand. You know, the door that opened leadership for me in uh, the spirit, spiritual leadership was I fell in love with the Holy Spirit and a bunch of women with me. We kind of were all new and we started getting together in our home. And we would literally every Friday we would gather in someone's home. There were six of us and about 20 kids. Everyone brought their own lunch. And we would let the kids play and we would sit at my kitchen table and talk about what the Lord was saying. And we would be like, did you read this in scripture? Or we would say, I was reading about gifts this week and it says this. And we'd be like, well, let's pray for that. And we'd pray. And I mean, literally we self-taught while our children were at our feet, while we made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, because we used what we had in our hand. Mm -hmm. And that preparation season, y'all, I still use to this day. It's my favorite way to mentor, literally, is across a table over a meal. Like, can we just chat or walk together? Yeah. It's my favorite method of uh, being led and of leading. So, Katie, you just do what's in your hand to do. You be, you be obedient today, like with this podcast and as God leads you. And try not to think so much about 
your insecurities and think more about his power. And of course, Katie, pray for more grace. Ask God for the divine enablement to obey. Pray for grace. That's good advice. Now, I, um, Jan, we're just going to have to have you when it's safe for you to come. I know you you um, have been I would love that. careful. I haven't been up there in a long time. You haven't. It's, you were here for sisterhood and that was too long ago. So we're going to have to have you back and yeah. And well, um, I would love to come up and uh, visit and mm-hmm. uh, maybe spend some time with your leaders. I want to say, yes. can I say this about my book? Please. You, you love me. You'll let me. Please, please. I really believe with all my heart that if women ministry leaders could get a hold of this book and uh, take their own teams together through this study, mm-hmm. especially, uh, especially if you've done women at war, if you have issues with women fighting, do women at war first yeah. and then do grace giving leadership. And I believe it could just rock ministry. Mm-hmm. I believe it could be the same in a um, corporate environment. If you're in a situation where you can do a faith-based study, I just believe there's something for um, uh, leaders to take their leaders through. And so it's in my heart to figure out how to reach those those leaders, reach young yes. emerging leaders the way that you and I were so many years ago. Yeah. Well, and, and you already mentioned it at the very beginning of the podcast, but the book really is designed like at, at the end of each chapter, you have questions for you to process as a group. And I love that. I love any book that does that, that gives you those nugget questions to have discussion. And so I, when are, when do we get it? When is it going to be here? I'm going to go into pre-sale the last week in October. I'm going to be releasing it at the Declare Conference, which you might be familiar with. Uh, The first time I ever taught on the Grace Giving Leader was at the Declare Conference at the request of my friend, uh, Kristen Lemus, who is one of their leaders. And I'd never taught on the subject. And it's really funny, but it was the seed of the Grace Giving Leader that was birthed at the Declare Conference. And it grew, you know, in my heart. And so this year is their last conference. It's their 10 year anniversary. And I'm the last speaker of the last conference. Wow. So I'm going to be sharing a little about leadership and just encouraging them. Like, um, I'm going to be talking about like, are you a leader God can use? And I'm hoping to pre do some pre-sales to help me kind of get some interest going. And then I really think our launch day is going to be early January, you know, still kind of eyeballing, but I think the first of the year. Yeah. Well, and we will make sure and share on our social media and everything when it launches so that we can get the word out. And I'm just wondering, are you planning on doing any type of like grace giving leader courses or anything like that? You know, I want to so bad. Kim, you know me so well. (laughs) Uh, I I want to so badly. Well, first of all, I want to prepare a book study, which would be something really Mm -hmm. simple, maybe a little video that um, a group leader could you know, show and then discuss. So I Mm -hmm. I have some simple things, but I have to tell you, there's so much more in my heart about this topic. I cannot cover it all. And um, I've been dreaming for a while about um, kind of a consortium. uh, um, Maybe that's not the best word, but uh, a retreat. Mm -hmm. I would love to do a leader retreat. You know, in the Mm -hmm. old days when you could go away and have like 48 hours together, I would love to do that. (laughs) But if we can't, I, I am hopeful to get a, a supporting course out pretty quickly because Wonderful. 
I just think there's a lot to be offered. I would love to do a sub piece for leaders of leaders, like, mm -hmm. you know, to help them use the material to the best of its advantage. And so Kim, pray for me to have the supernatural um, gifts and people to put some of that together. Yeah. You know, I feel like I have a thousand piece jigsaw puzzle and I just, I don't have the capacity to make the whole puzzle. So I need help. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We definitely will. So let the ladies know where they can find you because I know okay. they're going to be asking. Well, uh, my ministry is called Brave Strong Girl and you can find out all about my mentoring uh, opportunities at bravestronggirl.org. Mm -hmm. And if you join our Facebook community group, that's where I'm doing some once a month mentoring chats for free. They're Facebook live and uh, we're just building some opportunities for the community group members only. They're related to mentoring. And then, sorry, my phone keeps ringing. And then okay. um, uh, personally, uh, of course, you can find me on Facebook under my name, Jan Greenwood. And um, I guess that's it. BraveStrongGirl.org and the community group. Anyway, if you go there, you'll find us. You can hear, uh, read all about it. And uh, we'll be launching a landing page at Brave Strong Girl really soon for the book. Awesome. Can't wait to show you the cover and uh, share with you, Kim. Good. Yeah, I'm excited. Everybody needs to go um, check out the Facebook community group and also her website and just and stay tuned. And I um, am believing that you'll maybe get to be with us in 2021. Amen. COVID Amen. could go away, go away and go away, COVID. <laughs> oh, wait, COVID. Yeah, this is my fancy office at home. I've been home for six months. Yeah, uh, I am a, a stage four breast cancer survivor. So my immune system is a little compromised. So I'm a little careful. Mm -hmm. And uh, like most of you have been home quite a bit and I've left. I'm like, I have got to get like a screen or something. This is my <laughs> guest bedroom, but this is where my little, you know, spot is. So welcome it's to my perfect. home. It's perfect. Well, we love you, Jan. Thank you so much you. for being with us today and Katie, for sharing. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to meet you. Yes, same, same. We will, well, we, we will see you soon. Okay. We'll have you back. And um, yeah, I look forward to hearing from you more. So we love you, Jan. Have a great day. See you later. I don't know about you guys, but I am so thankful for that conversation that we got to have with Jan Greenwood. We covered so much, and I really do hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. So be sure to head over to bravestronggirl.org to find more from Jan and be on the lookout for her new book. It's called The Grace Giving Leader. And don't worry, we will also be sure to let you know when that comes out so you can support Jan. Ladies, don't forget to subscribe and you can also leave a review of this podcast so that others can have a chance to listen too. As always, thanks so much for tuning in this week. Have a great rest of your day.